0: It's all about Jesus. We live, we move, we have our being in Jesus. I want you to take your Bibles today and go to the book of Genesis, the third chapter. As you're doing that, let me greet the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm grateful each week to be able to share with you the Word of God. I know that you've had a time of worship today. Now we're getting ready to go into the Word of God together. So would you get ready to receive what God is going to speak to you today? We're talking about uh, in the Advent time. We're in that season now, and, and the Advent means, means this. It's not just about Christmas. When you study the church calendar, what you find is, is that Advent season not only looks at the birth of Jesus Christ and a babe born in a manger, but it also is looking at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the promise, that which has been given to us in the manger has been promised that He is going to return one day for each and every one of us that have been called by His name, washed in His blood, and purchased uh, for His redemption. And so that's what it's about today and what we're going to be looking at. So over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be kind of drilling down on this process and looking at what is the Advent, what is Christmas season really all about. So would you go to the book of Genesis, uh, because I believe with all of my heart that the story of christmas begins in the book of genesis now i know most of you say oh no we find the you know we find in the book of matthew it's in the new testament uh, that it begins well uh let, let me just turn your attention to the book of genesis chapter 3 today when you begin to look there what you find is you you find that adam and eve are in the garden now we all have probably heard that before and the, the Bible says that everything's kind of really, really good. I mean, can you imagine having no wants, having no desires, that everything that you want is provided for you? But the Bible says there in the third chapter that one day as Eve is kind of going about her business, now that the, a serpent speaks to her. Now that's an interesting, um, interesting uh, thing that we see right there. Uh, but it says that this serpent speaks to her. And begins to talking to her about, well, did God try to keep you from having this? Did God try to keep you from having that? And the Bible says that she was deceived and she partook of this fruit, which God had said, don't touch, the, don't eat of this fruit and, and don't do anything that has to do with this tree. Just leave it alone. And she partook of it. And the Bible says she gave it to her husband and he, he partook of it as well. Verse four, 14 and 15 is where I want to turn your attention today because this is the part where God... Begins uh, to kind of give directive of what's going to be happening now that Adam and Eve have sinned. Uh, would you look there in the 14th verse? It says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. The seed of woman, speaking of the serpent, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, today, my subject today on this this uh, new series that we are beginning. I want to talk today about the promise. I believe with all of my heart that this passage is about a promise. It's about the promise that God has given to mankind, that even though man has sinned, even though man has turned his back on God, God has given us the promise. And when you begin to look here, what you find is, is that the first promise in Scripture is given to Adam and Eve in this setting. Now, let me say this to you. Not only is that the first promise, I believe with all of my heart, it is also the first time that the gospel is preached it is telling us that there's coming a day see the word gospel means good news and it's telling us that there is coming one day that there is going to be a savior there's going to be a redeemer who is going to come and get you out of your sins get you out of the mess that you've been living in and I don't know about you but that's good news amen and so here, here's what I want to say to you. Jesus is in this verse. This verse 15, that I read to you. Jesus is in this verse, although you don't see his name. Uh, when it begins to talk about the seed of woman, It is referring to Jesus. It is talking about that one who is going to come. Now, it's going to be 4,000 years before Jesus shows up. It's going to be 4,000 years before the advent uh, in in a town called Bethlehem in a manger in a stable. But Jesus is who this is referring to. It talks about the seed of woman. Now, that's an interesting statement. When you read this, uh, I'm reading today out of the New King James Version. It says the seed of woman. Now, I'm not going to drill down into this too far. I'm not going to talk to you. uh, I'm not going to give you a biology class. Uh, But please understand that when you you normally talk about seed, you don't talk about the seed coming from a woman. All right, just remember back, you know, the biology one-on-one and how that babies get here. All right. It's not the seed of woman, it's the seed of man. And yet, God tells us in the third chapter of the opening book of Scripture, He tells us that there is going to be something that is going to happen. And here's what He's telling us. He is telling us, get ready for a supernatural event. Get ready for something that is not going to be normal. Get ready for something that is going to stretch your faith, stretch your ability to believe. Get ready because I am going to send a promise to this earth, but he's not going to come the way everybody thinks that he ought to come. See, Adam and Eve are living in a perfect garden. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I've been to some places called paradise, and I have found out that paradise is not paradise. Right? Right? Any of you ever plan for that long vacation? You get there, and paradise all of a sudden becomes, you know, the other place, right? All of a sudden you're paying, you know, $5 for a Coke, and, and uh, you're going, man, I didn't know prices were going to be this high. I didn't know. Well, well p- listen, Adam and Eve, they were in paradise. I mean, think about this Adam and Eve had one thing they weren't supposed to do. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. I mean, think for a minute, if there was only one temptation in your life. Think about if there was only one thing that was wrong for you to do. Everything else is right. Everything else is permissible. Everything else you can do, but don't do this one thing. Now, I don't know about you. I I have an imagination. Anybody else got a pretty good imagination? I got a a pretty good imagination. My, My imagination is if I was in the garden, if I had been there and God said, okay, there's a tree. Now, think about it. The only thing you can't do is the tree. No, you missed it. The, on, the only thing that Adam and Eve can't do is one tree. If that was me, if I was in the garden, I know I wasn't, but if I had been, did anybody grow up watching Roadrunner cartoons? Really? I would have called Acme Dynamite Company. I would have blown that sucker to smithereens. I, it would be gone. God had come down and say, where'd it go? I don't know, but it ain't here. One thing only. And guess what? She partakes of the forbidden fruit. The Word of God says that Adam was not deceived. Eve is deceived. Adam is not deceived. But Adam, just kind of like most men, just says, well, if she's going that way, I am too. Uh-oh. You can act all tough if you want to, gentlemen. I know better, all right? And, and so Adam just said, well, she's already gone down that path. I might as well, too. And, and the, the Bible says God showed up in the cool of the day. And, and here's what God said. Adam, where are you? Now, let me help you real quickly. If God asks you a question, he's not looking for information. Right? We kind of think when God answers, well, we're going to. God knew where they were. Adam, where are you? And Adam just goes, we're over here hiding in the bushes. Now, that's not what the Bible, King James Version says. But that's what, uh, we're hiding. Why are you hiding in the bushes? We don't have any clothes on. How do you know you don't have any clothes on? This woman. (laughs) Right? This woman. Men, you've been saying that all your life. This woman that you gave me. The woman says, the serpent. The serpent looks around and goes, I guess I'm it. There's nobody else to blame. See, here's the deal. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what type of life you are living. What I have found in uh, in human nature is that all of us have a tendency to want to make excuses for our, our mistakes and our sins. I mean, think, think about the last time somebody stood up and said, I'm, I'm the reason this mess has happened. No, it's, well, you know, I, I didn't get treated right in the fourth grade. I, I, you know, if you knew what kind of home I grew up in, if you, if you knew what the government did to me, if you knew what the man, the man's holding me down, the man has got his thumb on me. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why, why don't, boy, it gets quiet sometimes. Why don't we just quit making excuses? Why don't we just man up? I have have often wondered, again, my imagination goes places. I have often wondered that if Adam and Eve, when God showed up after they messed up, if they would have run and fell at His feet and said, God, please forgive us, I wonder what would have been different in the picture of what we're going to see. Because you know what? When you read Scripture, there is no place in Scripture where people genuinely confess their sin and repent that God doesn't forgive them. Could it be, I'll just throw this out, could it be we could be dwelling in paradise today if Adam and Eve would have just said, we did it, we messed up, we sinned, God forgive us. Could it be that God, I mean, if God would forgive Nineveh, Could it be that God would have forgiven Adam and Eve if they had truly repented? But they're making mistakes. They're blaming somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. You've got to understand, I didn't do it. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And that's how, if we're not careful, that's how we live. And so God begins to look at the wreckage of this moment. He looks at the wreckage of his plan. And in that moment, God passes a sentence uh, that is lived out through humanity from that day until now. Bible says first of all that he passed judgment on the serpent he told the serpent that you are cursed above every animal now I, I don't know let me let me talk to you about the garden for a minute I want to tell you in the garden there was no fear N- nobody was afraid of anything you say how do I know that let me explain it to you one day Eve is walking through the garden and the snake says hey come here no you missed it if I'm walking out tomorrow my front door And a snake's laying there. And it says, hey, come here, let's talk. I will be in the next county breaking the sound barrier by, you know, and just like that. Right? But there's no fear. So she says, hey, what's happening? And they have this dialogue. And you know the story. And because of that, the Bible says that the serpent, and it's in the, evidently at that point in time, snakes, the, the animal itself, uh, walked uprightly at some level. But at this point, God judges that serpent and says, you're going to crawl and you're going to eat dust the rest of the days of your life. And, and so that, that's what we see happening in the judgment there. But, but God goes on. Now remember, we're talking about the promise that God makes to mankind. In this moment, I, I want to say this to you. In this moment, in a sense, it marked Satan's finest hour. Now think about that for a minute. When they saw this, when this happened, Satan now has deceived Eve. He's got Adam on board. He's come to this point that he has destroyed God's plan. I mean, God's plan was for man and woman to live in paradise in perfection and to enjoy life. That's what God's plan was. But now, Satan has come in and he has destroyed it. And I just want to tell you, I think Satan's feeling pretty good about himself at this point. Not only that, but Satan has gained this entire world. Now, let me prove it to you. Here's what the Bible says about Satan. The Scripture says that Satan is the God of God of this world people are always asking, why do bad things happen to good people why do tornadoes happen why do this happen why? because satan is the god of this world you said oh no jesus triumphed we'll get to that in a minute satan is still the god of this world you say how because god had given mankind the authority over this planet god had told adam and eve you have dominion you have authority over this planet but adam and eve decided to give that away to satan lucifer the covering chair to give that away to him and in that moment satan became the god of this world and when we begin to see that there there are some things in here that i think that this this verse predicts to us that we need to understand number one is this is that there is going to be endless conflict all right If, if you are a child of god get ready to always have some things happening that aren't the best Well, I, I got saved. I thought everything was going to be good. Let me tell you, when you get saved, all hell breaks loose. Because until that point, it had you. Now you have changed allegiance and gone to a different kingdom. And now the enemy is going to do everything that he can to destroy what God has for your life. And so there's always in the, there's going to be conflict. The second thing you need to understand is that Eve, or the seed of Eve, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, and the serpent are never going to get along. If you think you're going to sign a pact with the devil, and he's going to leave you alone if you're a child of God, it's not happening. In fact, I'll say this to you. If the devil's not bothering you, it could be he already has you. Why? Because he is against The force of darkness, the forces that work in this dimension of our earth, they are against everything that Christianity stands for. Eve and the serpent, the seed of Eve and the serpent are never, ever going to get along. The third thing that happened is we lost paradise. I mean, can you imagine being able to live in true paradise? Being able to live in a place where all of your needs are met, where everything is provided, that you don't need anything. But because of man's sin, because of man's choice, man gave up what God had given unto mankind. See, when we look at this, we think of that sermon, or excuse me, that that scripture, and and as we deal with this today in this sermon, what we find is, is that a lot of times when we look at the seed of woman, we think Jesus, and we should think Jesus. But here's what I want to say. I think it goes further than that, because the Bible says this about you. If you are a Christian today, if you are a God follower today, one who has given their life to Jesus Christ, then the Word of God says that you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What that means is this, is that the woman's seed, Eve's seed, is not just Jesus, but it's everyone who chooses to live for God. If you give your life to God, if you choose today to live for God Almighty, then what you have done is, is that you have now become what the Scripture says is a seed of woman. When you look in Scripture, you find out that it starts with Abel, and it goes to Enoch, it goes to Noah, it goes to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and Joshua, and it just continues on until it gets to the book of Matthew, and we find that Jesus Christ's birth happens there. Now, I want to tell you something, and listen carefully to me. If Eve or if woman had her seed, Satan has his seed. All right? Some people, I've heard people say, well, I, I don't believe anybody is truly evil. You haven't hung out with me long enough because I have met some truly evil human beings. Boy, it gets quiet. I, I don't believe anybody's truly evil. Yes, I believe that according to Scripture. See, when, when you read Scripture, if you were to ask Abel, is Cain evil? What do you think he would say? Well, he hit me in the head with a rock and killed me and buried me. That's pretty That's pretty evil. Is, is there something that, and, and as you study, you, you'll find, in, again, beginning of Scripture, you'll see not only the seed of woman, but you'll see the seed of Satan all through Scripture. You'll, you'll find all the way through Scripture. I mean, who, who do you think was behind the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? It wasn't, it wasn't godly people. It wasn't people who, who loved God with all their heart. It was those who hated what Jesus stood for and everything about Him. And so the ungodly seed of Satan is on this earth just like the godly seed of God is on this earth. Francis Schaefer, who was a theologian back in the 20th century, I, I can remember reading his books in college. Uh, and he talked about, in one of his books, uh, he talked about the two humanities on earth. And, and I got to thinking about that for this series. Uh, and as, as you look at that, uh, what, what we find is, is that one humanity says there's no God. Ever met anybody that says there's no God? I mean, there, there are people I've met who said, I don't believe in God, there is no God. Use this because they're trying to excuse something they're doing. Right? And so they want to they believe that there's no God. Or there's these people who try to create God in their own way. Well, it doesn't matter how you come to God. Many roads lead to God. Just get to God. And if you get to God, however you get to God. Right? Or they, they, they you know, they have this whole process of, of works to get to God. You know, if you do enough good works, you'll get to God. No. The Bible says your works are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. What you do is not getting good. How do I get to God? So that, that's one aspect of humanity. It's, it's the side uh, that doesn't either believe in God or thinks they can get to God their own way or just chooses to live the way they want to live. There's the other side of humanity are those who come to God through God's way who make a decision and say, you know what? The Word of God says that there's one way to God, that's through Jesus Christ, and I am going to choose to come to Him, and I'm going to give my life to Him. Now, let me say something to you, and I may, and I'm not going to try to, but I may offend somebody today when I say this. There is no neutral ground. You are either serving God, or you are serving the system of this world and the devil. I'm sorry. You say, well, I'm a good person. Goodness doesn't cut it. Goodness won't get you to God. Well, I'm I'm better than most Christians. I know you may be. But until you come to that place where you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are living either for God or you are living for yourself and the devil. There really is no middle ground that you can stand on. Now, I want to tell you whether you know it or not, and somebody says, well, I don't believe this, I want to tell you, Satan is alive and well on this planet. Well, I don't believe in the devil. The devil doesn't care. (laughs) I I just don't believe in him. In fact, he probably is glad that you don't believe in him. You don't believe in his system. You don't believe how he operates. You say, well, Pastor... You're telling me that Jesus came and I read about Jesus and it said he triumphed over the devil and made an open show of him? Then how in the world can the devil be still powerful on this earth? I'm glad you asked that question. If he's been judged, how can he still be powerful? Well, let me say it this way Satan was judged on the cross, but he's been let out on bond. No, come on. You know what I'm talking about? He's out on bail. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Come on, how many times have you read in the paper some criminal who's out on bail who commits another act of violence? Well, I want to tell you the devil is out on bail, his sentence has already been passed. The Word of God says that there is coming a day where one angel with one chain is going to wrap him up, throw him in the outer darkness, and he is going to be stripped of all of his power. He knows that. That's why the Bible says that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour day in day out the devil is doing everything that he can to make sure that you don't live for God that you don't give your life to God but that you live for yourself and you live for this world because he knows that his time is short but I want to tell you he's alive and he's working on this earth you say well pastor how does this whole thing that you're talking about, you're talking about a promise, how does this apply to my life? Well, let me tell you some things first of all. Number one is this, is that you need to understand that the Christian life will have its struggles. If you don't struggle as a Christian, it's because you've given up. Now, you're, you ready? I know you're taking notes, but are you ready? Listen to me. Too many Christians... Are living carnal lives because of the grace of God. Well, I just can't help it. Well, I, I just you know God understands He does. Well, Pastor, you just got to understand I've got this weakness. You do. Well, I've, I've got this problem. It is. Well, I I, I got this addiction. Yeah. And and. Pastor, you you just got to understand, I I can't, here's a problem, I can't help it. Now, wait a minute. The Word of God says that you have been given power to overcome. The Scripture says, greater is he that's in you, if you're a believer, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So if I'm living a lifestyle that the Word of God says, don't do this, don't live this, and I'm justifying and say, well, God understands. God is forgiving. And listen, I'm I'm not telling you God isn't a forgiver. He is. I already told you. Anytime anybody repented, God said, I forgive you. But we've given up the fight. We've laid our weapons down, and we've just said, well, grace will take care of it. The grace of God is greater than anything that I've done, and it is. But God expects you to work. God expects you. you see, the, the whole struggle here implies some effort, It implies sweat. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul gives us some pictures. He talks about a runner. He talks about a boxer. He talks about a wrestler. He talks about a soldier. What is he saying? He is saying to us, you've got to be involved in the process. Here's what I want to tell you about Christianity. Christianity demands full engagement and commitment. Full engagement and commitment. You you, you can't live. I I mean, so many Christians, we've all been guilty, so just just take it. We're we're all guilty of this. We want to sow to the world all week long and then come to church on Sunday and pray for crop failure. You know what I'm talking about. We want to live out here, we want to do things, we want to involve ourselves in situations that we know God's not pleased with, and then we want to run to church on Sunday and say, oh God, all those things I did, please forgive me. And He does, He forgives us. But let me say something to you. When you plant a crop, those seeds produce a harvest. That's, that's why I'm so adamant. That's why I, I try uh, to tell our, our teenagers and young people, be careful what doors you open. Because the problem is some of us open doors in our teens that we don't realize that we're going to have to fight in our 50s and 60s because we opened the door back here. We ran with the wrong crowd. We did the wrong thing. We got involved. Everybody was doing it. And we understand that. But now we find ourselves years, sometimes 20, 30, 40 years later, still struggling with the same issues of life. Would it not have been better to have shut the door and never opened it than to have to fight to keep it shut? And so that's what the enemy wants us to do. The enemy wants you to give up. He wants you to say, I can't do it. It's never going to happen. Well, Pastor, you've got to understand. You know, I'm, I'm human. I understand. So am I. So is everybody that's ever lived. They're human. Well, Pastor, I just can't help it. Really? Well, you know, I I, I got this addiction. I got it. Boy, it's quiet. I understand. But that's no excuse for sin. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. Shall we continue in sin? Let me rephrase it. Shall we continue in addiction that grace may abound... God forbid, how shall we that are dead to addiction continue any longer therein? That's, that's pretty in your face, isn't it? I mean, the Apostle Paul is saying to us, look, you have been set free from sin. He didn't say you weren't going to struggle. Let me help some of you. Temptation is not sin. Because you want to do something, because you desire to do something. I've had people say, well, if you think it, you might as well do it. No. My Lord. My Lord. I've thought about killing a few people <laughs> nobody listening to me today in that category but I'm glad we're not starting a jail ministry come visit me because I killed somebody because I thought of you know whatever the issue is I'm joking but but whatever the issue is to be tempted is not a sin Pastor, you know I, I I know I shouldn't be sleeping around I shouldn't be doing this I you know I but I'm just lonely get a puppy full engagement our victories will always be preceded by battles there's always going to be a battle you're always going to fight you're always going to have to go through something if jesus had to battle so will you if the bible says jesus was tempted and always like as we are yet without sin if he was tempted we're going to be tempted but we have to make a choice on how we're going to live well, let me say this to you. Hey, let me ask this question. Have any of you ever felt like running away? I remember when I was a little kid, I'd, you know, I'd threaten to run away. One day they packed me a little sack and handed it to me. I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not leaving. I knew where my food was, all right? Um, but, but there are moments in your life you feel like running away. Well, let me say this to you. If you run away from the battle, wherever you go, you're still going to be in this fallen world. So you run away from that battle over here, you're going to find a battle over there. You're going to find a battle. back Wherever you go, there's going to be a battle. So God has a plan. The whole thing about today is God's promise. It's all about Jesus. It's God's promise. And God's plan is salvation through Jesus. That's that's the plan. The plan of salvation is Jesus. God does not have another plan. Well, I think that there are many paths that lead to God. Why, Why do we fall for that? That's like saying, there are many paths that lead to Seattle no there's not you want to go to Seattle where you're at determines what path you've got to take there's one way to God is through Jesus Christ the word of God is clear about that Jesus is the seed of woman that the scripture talked about in the book of Genesis the third chapter that mankind was looking for for 3,000 4,000 years we, we've been looking for that the only way to God is to go through Jesus I'm not being narrow-minded when I say that. The Word of God says that. Now, either we believe God's Word, or we ought to just cut this stuff out. Why show up? I mean, that's what people who don't believe in Christ and who are atheists say, why do you show up on Sunday morning? Man, you could have slept in today. Kids would have loved it. Got a late breakfast, all that stuff. Why didn't you just... I'm about to talk some of you into it, I can tell. No, we believe the only way to God is through Jesus. Let me say this to you. When God wanted to crush Satan's head, he started in a stable in Bethlehem. That's where God started. He didn't send an army. He didn't send the warring army of heaven, the angels, to come to this earth and fight. What God did, He sent a baby in a manger because He wanted you and I to know that God loved us so much that He was willing to become a human being so He could relate to us. The promise today is this, is that whoever you are, wherever you're at, whatever has happened in your life there is a God who loves you there is a God who wants you to spend an eternity with him the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish but that all that's everybody that all should come to repentance it is needful for us to understand today The promise that I have, this whole Advent season, this whole Christmas thing, we're going to get caught up in all the stuff. But I want to tell you, look behind me, it's all about Jesus. We wanted to get it big enough that you could see it. It's all about Jesus. Every aspect. Everything else fades behind who he is. And when I understand the promise that I've been given to have life and it abundantly, then I wholeheartedly say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything that I am and everything that I hope to be so that I can live for you. Amen.